Welcome to Kitchen Table, candid conversations about sex, relationships, and being human. I'm Brittany Palacastro. I'm Nick Antony, and today we are talking to Shay Olay about the world of kink. Woo, got your sexy pants on. This is going to be a hot one. <laughs> Hello, Brittany. Hey, Nick. How are you doing over there? I'm excited about this conversation because it's one of my favorite topics in the whole world. Oh, yeah? Why is that? Because I'm a kinky motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> This is true, but I just felt it was necessary to establish a baseline before, before we got <laughs> to deeper. clarify. Before we got deeper, yeah, today should be a good show, hundred percent. Like I just, uh, in terms of kink in general, from my perspective, I can only kind of connect with it, and I feel like I've only been connecting with it in the last few years. Like it hasn't been that much a part of my life, actually. But I've stepped into that when we stepped into being polyamorous and open. I really did too, which is at this point five and a half years ago, I think spanking and things like that. I don't necessarily consider, I guess spanking is considered kink. Just like, oh, I'm going to spank you. And then there's like, I'm going to spank you and put you in your place. You know, there's <laughs> there's two different things. They both have a, a valid position in place. You are absolutely uh, right. And even if you are new to it, I think that's, that's a solid starting point. You right are there. absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. And I remember this one time, very long time ago, I was in my 20s and I was like, maybe my second date with this dude. And I slept over his house because like that was my jam when I was younger. I was like, yeah, it's just whatever. And we didn't have sex or anything like that. I mean, I don't, like any sex of any kind, but like we slept over, we made out. And then he decided that like out of nowhere, no conversation, no talk. He was like, just like he wanted to spank me. And I was like, um, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not into that. Like, you know, that, that sounds like it, it went exactly how it should have gone. Yeah. And well, then after <laughs> in that situation, it, it went downhill from there. Oh, sure. it, there was maybe like one more. Actually, there was a Valentine's Day explosion where I got very tipsy and drank a lot of champagne. And he was like, no, thank you. And I was like, whatever. And <laughs> <laughs> So that's what happens when we date in our 20s, at least when I dated in my 20s. <laughs> the lack of communication <laughs> in that space is it's very apparent for sure. Absolutely. But I've come a long way from, you know, that's we're talking like 15, 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so now my relationship with kink has changed again. And we'll talk about that probably when we get into talking to Shay. But I think that our relationship with kink is fluid like anything else. Yeah. Depends on where we are in the moment of our lives. Yeah. I specifically, in terms of me not wanting to cross that line, I definitely felt it very difficult stepping into it or wanting to embrace kink just based off the fact that I didn't want to hurt anyone. Yeah. And also being a black man and just like navigating that and just I kind of was inside myself a little bit in relation to it. But I've since been able to kind of step into that and be in conversation about it. And I discovered their bits of it, parts of it that I really enjoy. That's really beautiful. And sounds like a conversation to dive deeper into with Shay, because I have a feeling that Shay will have a lot to say about that. So let's do just that. Welcome to Kitchen Table. I am Brittany. I'm Nick. And today you are in for a sexy, kinky Fantastic treat. <laughs> Rich charged up. She's charged I am, up. I am charged. <laughs> Super giddy. So today we are talking to Shay Olay, and we are going to be talking all about the world of kink, which honestly, this could be a like 17 hour long conversation because I love talking about this shit so much. So before we get into it, I'm going to read you one of the best bios ever. Okay. I'm just going to say it because it's so good. So let's hear a little bit about Shay. 
Equal parts playfully innocent and dangerously kinky, Shay Olay is a provocative, intoxicating sorcerer originally hailing from the Windy City. Shay of Speakeasy Noir Burlesque and Siren Pack Productions is a producer, a performer, and an instructor specializing in burlesque, theater, aerial, pole dance, and BDSM through immersive and transformative experiences. Yes, please. <laughs> Affectionately known, this is my favorite part, as the kinky siren switchress, the typhoon of temptation, and the Bananka monk of slut church. Yes. Shay is a visceral and electric force to be reckoned with, known for spiraling erotic energy into breathtaking ceremonies and rituals on stage. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm already turned on. <laughs> I can really hear the last bit of that, like being like spoken on like a mic and just like it's being amplified into yes. a stadium. <laughs> rituals on stage, 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 stage. Welcome, Shay. <laughs> goodness thank you thank you so much for having me absolutely we are we're really excited to be able to just drop in to you know your bio the work that you do it feels and you can absolutely correct me if i'm wrong but like we can just go there there's an invitation that i feel that we can go there and we can drop in and we can talk about about sexy stuff and there is space for that does that feel accurate that feels completely accurate. Yes. And just know that like the feeling is mutual. <laughs> yeah. So there's like, you can say whatever. The other day we had a real and, and um, the guest was like, am I, can I say pussy? I was like, you can say pussy as many times as you want. Say whatever you want. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Good. I don't have to filter myself. You don't have no. to filter <laughs> shit. No, no. <laughs> Bring it. So you're also polyamorous, which is amazing. You've been polyamorous your whole life, right? My whole life. Yeah, which is amazing. I really want to talk about kink, but I just want to ask one question about that first. What does that look like your whole life? You know, like most people come into it at a certain age, oftentimes a little bit later on after they've explored monogamy for a bit. And it was like, mm, not for me. So what does that look like to be polyamorous for your whole life? Yeah, I have actively polyamorous since I was like 18 years old, um, once I started dating. But I had people ask me, well, how did that happen? How did you know? And I started to retrace my steps. And I wrote my very first short story when I was seven years old, and it was called Fruit Town. And it's a whole story really about inclusion and acceptance and things like that. But there is this one part where the prince asked these twins to come live with him in his castle. Yes. And first of all, they say no three times because they have work to do in their hometown. <laughs> so I'm also like, what seven-year-old had the audacity to tell the prince no? Because that's not even in the Disney movies. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, it's not. No, right? it's not. And also he asked both of them and it wasn't like something was wrong with him asking them that. Mm -hmm. Eventually they said yes. It was like they didn't live happily ever after, but they lived with intention. Mm. Oh my gosh. So when I trace back, I'm like, well, my mindset has always been that you can have as many loves as you want so long as they consent. And then I started practicing that once I was an adult. Wow. 
That's wild. Like, yeah, that story. Like, to be young and... What, did people read this story? Did anyone in, yeah. even process this? Good question. Right? You know, I don't think anyone, like, caught on. I mean, of course, my family members read it. But I also, and we don't have to get too deep into this, but I was raised in a cult oh. and very conservative, too. So I don't know if they read it as, like, these are people joining the cult, like the two princesses. Wow. But in my head, like, he loved them and he wanted both of them. I'd like to hear a little bit about that. I'm going to a cult and be like, well, we're not going to let you go once you. It sounds like you're open. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that feels like it might lead into your exploration of kink a bit. Maybe it could. Um, I don't know. I'm curious. Yes. You know, one thing I will say, most people are used to the popular cults. And so they're like, oh, were you a part of XYZ? And people forget that there are also just smaller ones that are very subversive and they're not deep in the woods in some, you know, weird location. This was right inner city of Chicago, like next to everyday neighbors, you know, but eventually the cult bought up property, moved all the members onto the property. And that's where the subversion started to become. Like women and children were stripped of their identities. You started realizing you had to ask leadership for permission for everything, even to leave uh, the church property. And so it was very conservative, very controlling. Of course, you just didn't even talk about sex until... I guess one day you got married and it all magically made sense. Wow. So it was a hot ass mess. And I knew at a young age, I was like, okay, these adults are out of their mind, but I could either run away and that's not going to work because I've seen that Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. I could I could <laughs> report this, but then I would end up in foster care and I've seen that Lifetime movie. So I will pretend, throw my studies to my education, graduate early, and I'll be rid of this. But I ended up getting kicked out when I was 14 anyway because I refused to be silent about some of the things going on. Wow. What a, like a tapped in wise child you were like the fact yeah. that the fact that you're in that experience and you're not you're writing stories about open love and the, these these concepts. Mm-hmm. I see that as you didn't drink that Kool-Aid, <laughs> like, you know, like you drank it, but you then you spit it out mm-hmm. afterwards. You're like, oh, it's delicious here. And then you turn it like this. Right. Like, yeah. Like it didn't penetrate, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say just, you know, because of branding, Kool-Aid wants to make sure people know that what they drink was flavorade and not Kool-Aid. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Flavor aid. It was flavor aid. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Correction. <laughs> but that, that's good because yeah. Kool Aid, you know, that big cup that yeah. like bursts through. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's what you're like. I said it. I said, oh, yeah. That's what Do not miss my little this drop. There. That's the Kool Aid man. I'm sorry. I missed your Kool Aid man. <laughs> So Shay, how did you move from that experience to where you are now? Like, what was that evolution, especially around, you know, you came into polyamory at 18 and how did you move into kink? And I'm said, I'm curious if like what I think that we, you know, we connect with kink in a way that from whatever 
happened when in our past, like sometimes that's in their trauma, all of that kind of stuff. And so I'm just curious about how that transition happened or just like, was it always kind of part of your path, so to speak? I went to college, you know, soon after I was kicked out. I was 16 when I went to college, but it was also a very conservative Christian school and it had its pros and cons. But after I graduated, I was living alone in Chicago. Now I'm an adult and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I don't have the how to adult book. I was struggling with a lot of issues because of my past. And I say that I reached rock bottom and then found the strength to dig some more. And there came this lucid moment where I was like, I can either end things or I can choose a different way to live. And even if I choose a different way to live, if that does not work for me, I can go back to being depressed and a hot ass mess. But each day, of course, that was working for me, but living with intent. So I decided that one, it seemed like none of my thoughts were my own. They were either taught to me by my family, by the cult, by some TV show, right? Lifetime was influencing my choices. <laughs> I was like, yeah. right? And I wanted to go back through every notion that I had, and this could be anything, whether a woman should wear red lipstick or not, whether anything. And based on my life experiences and what I intuitively knew, and also some studies and things, did I still believe that? And even if I did, did I believe it for the same reasons or different reasons? And Or did I want to let it go and choose something differently? So it's this journey back to self to actually choose my own thoughts and beliefs and move from that intention. And with that, it gave me the freedom really to do whatever I wanted to do. How that relates to kink, I soon after I graduated, I began dating a man who was 22 years older than me. Um, he was delicious. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a great relationship at the time. Our sex life was phenomenal. With him, I had my first orgasm ever. And as I was experiencing all of this pleasure, I was like, I want more. And not that it was it wasn't enough, but I wanted to go deeper in that as well. And I remember explaining that to him. And he asked, like, well, what do you want to try? I was like, I don't even know what there is to try. Like, I just know there's more. So he asked if he could have permission to take total control for a full weekend. And I didn't even know what that meant, but something in my body was like, girlfriend, yes. <laughs> Just say yes. We lived long distance. He was in New York. I was in Chicago. So the next time I land, I get in the car, you know, I go to kiss him. I was like, hey, baby. He's like, be quiet. Oh, oh yes. He was like, put your seatbelt on. And I, you know, I want you in silence until I tell you to speak. Oh. And in my head, I'm like, can I breathe? Can I like <laughs> tell me what else? And once we got home, that weekend was full with like a smorgasbord of kink things, though I didn't have the language for it. Yep. There was bond. There was, you know, he recorded me. I think we did 10 different things that weekend. And I freaking loved it. Like, I absolutely loved it. 
And here and there, we would revisit it again. A few years later, we had broken up. I started dating someone I met on OkCupid. And their profile was really, it was just a comedy profile. But he mentioned that his favorite movie was Secretary. And that was very important to his life. And that intrigued me because I had seen the movie. By the end of the first date, now granted we'd had conversations prior to this, but by the end of the first date, he had spanked my clit with my own riding crop. I had been tied up. There were nipple clamps. Uh, There was a speculum in my vagina. Yeah, there was all sorts of things. And thus began like a two-year relationship with him. And he knew how green I was. So not only did we play, he also was like, these are lectures for you to go to. These are workshops. These are books for you to read. Like, this is a whole world. And I want to teach and mentor you. Oh, yes. And, you know, I didn't, I never connected it to, like, my childhood or to trauma or anything. I'm sure all these things are connected in our stories, but mine really just came from a desire to go deeper in my experiences and sensations. I love that. That's so beautiful. What I love is it was almost like you cleared the path for this, but which is like at that age, especially, you know, to really say like, is this mine? Is this someone else's? What do I agree with about my experiences as a child and what don't I? And so it sounds like you were able to clear that as opposed to like bringing it, you know, the bag with you and like, then like pouring that bag out and like forming kinky acts from that bag. You instead, you were like, okay, let me look at the bag. This doesn't need to be in the bag. I don't believe in that. This doesn't need to be in the bag. You cleared that way for what sounds like some really beautiful relationships that opened you into what was going to use the word. It sounds like your purpose, (laughs) like a piece of that, of connecting and healing and opening. And, you know, it sounds very clear. Yes, that's true. I agree. (laughs) People would honestly go their whole lives and never be able to do what you able to do in terms of being be able to hold that, unpack that, and yeah. move through that, and also know that you can, if you didn't need to be hard on yourself in that relation to like how you were navigating that, like that, yeah, that's just really uh, a lot of grace in that. And people, yeah, do not do that at all. Yeah, they don't have the tools. Mm-hmm. And I always find it so fascinating that some of us just, it's a gift, it's a blessing, it's, you know, it's, it's part of our path. But yeah, that you were able to be like, this is who I am and this is who I want to be moving forward. And then you call that shit right in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And of course there were, you know, additional tools that helped me along that path. Like a, I went to therapy and I I still do. That is just a great resource. They are getting paid to listen to your fuck shit. So (laughs) allow that in. I used a lot of like art and creativity as a healing tool, whether it was movement and dance that helped me get into my body and really understand that. Or it was writing and blogging. There were all sorts of things I had to put in place that helped me along that journey as well. And people forget that. 
you don't just have to suffer and heal along. Like there's so many things out there that can help you and support you. Absolutely. Yes. I've been on this healing journey for about 19, 20 years now, like actively started with yoga and it has evolved and transformed over the years. And I like to think of it as layers as, you know, like there's this layer, even with like clients that I work with, I know I'm just a part of that journey, right? There's not one thing I don't, I believe that, Mm -hmm. that does it. There's lots of different layers and layers and layers. You know, if you choose to go on that path of unpacking and healing, which is a, fucking intense ass path sometimes. It is, but I've been very much inspired by how you do that actively in your life. Thank you. Your ability to dive into difficult things and challenge yourself and push yourself in that way, yeah, is beautiful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I think that's sometimes the thing people try to avoid, that discomfort or difficulty that comes with healing. Oh, yeah. And it's like, no, you are going to be uncomfortable and you have to learn to sit in that discomfort and move through it. I haven't found the pathway to just bubbles and sunshine through <laughs> healing with your you know, your trauma. And if there is a book out there, let me know. But right? like, yeah. discomfort is a part of it. It really is. You can't really, you can't bypass it. I mean, it it all holds weight and it's all valid. And in order to grow, yeah, you got to connect with all of it. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of times people are like, oh, I want to heal. I want to, want to do the work. You know, that's a big phrase. And it's often like, okay, like here you go. And then it's like happening and uh, maybe there's even feeling calm. And then all of a sudden intensity comes up or, you know, intense feelings where shit hits the fan and it's like, oh, no, 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 no. I feel worse. I don't feel better. What the hell? And that's what I try to like instill, like, is this idea that like, no, like that might happen because when we're unraveling pieces of ourselves, when we're unpacking, when we're untangling, it's a lot. And that's also a bit of, You know, I didn't get into BDSM to use it as a healing tool or to be therapeutic, you know, which it can serve that purpose. Yeah. But it also, especially because of the types of kinks and fetishes that I love, that also helps me to sit in my discomfort and to transcend pain into sensations and as a way of like connecting deeper to myself or source or the cosmos. And I love that that's an aspect of it. It helps me deepen my experience as a human and a spiritual being. I love that. Can we talk a little bit more about that? About how, well, first of all, I'd love to hear some of the kinks fetishes that you're into. I'd love to also know the difference, you know, for our audience, what's the difference between a kink and a fetish? Let's start there. They are often used interchangeably. However, a fetish is something that you need to experience in order to have a climax or a satisfaction or orgasm. So for instance, one of my fetishes. My mind was like, good dick. (laughs) (laughs) My inner voice. (laughs) But like a fetish of mine is, it's passionate kissing, right? I know some people who don't necessarily need that in order to have it. Whereas a kink is like a flavoring you like every now and then 
all the way up to often. So most of us have a lot of kinks, but those words are used interchangeably. And so how have you said you, the experience of kink for you allows you to sit in discomfort, connects you with the cosmos and consciousness and how? One example that comes to mind, and this speaks to like headspace. Those in the lifestyle have heard of terms like subspace or dom space, top and bottom. That official dom that I had that was helping me learn so much, he had a specific, it was a fetish for him. I was to become his latex rubber doll. And this meant basically full enclosure, like latex cat suit, the corset, the gloves. He had boots that were half size too small so that I could be uncomfortable. Then there were masks, just like a plain latex mask. But then he was also into gas masks. So that was also put on me. When I would arrive to his place, even the process of getting dressed became a ritual. It would take like an hour and a half to put things on. And I remember the very first time he put everything on me. With each item, I could feel this like transformation or this deepening happening. And I remember looking in the mirror and I was like, oh my God, I feel like a superhero. I feel like an alien. I feel other. I feel more of myself than I ever did. But I also feel like completely blank and nothing at all. And all those things going through my mind, I loved it. I would have never experienced these moments or had these thoughts if this did not happen. I also saw in those moments how it opened me up to more empathy and compassion. Prior to this, I used to give a side eye to furries. And I was like, if I dated someone and they're like, I want you to dress up as like a fluffy peacock in order for me to have sex with you, they're going to have to find somebody else and it's not going to be me. I'm not being a peacock. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And though I still don't want to be a peacock, that's something else we might want to talk about. But don't, <laughs> I don't want to be the peacock. As I was getting dressed in the latex cat suit, I was like, I feel like Catwoman. And if I can feel like Catwoman, which is a cat, I can also understand a fluffy bird or someone dressing up as a bear. And I'm like, I got it. It's still not my thing. But now I understand it with openness. And so... Just that process of getting dressed. And then when we would do whatever happened in that play scene, I just felt like this total release and submission into and surrender into what was going on. And I didn't have any notions. I just was like this blank slate. So every sensation, every thought, I felt like I was connected to the whole galaxy when those moments would occur. And I absolutely loved it. I was like, I want more of this. Like, I love the headspace that came about from that. Yeah, a lot of my kink play has has had a different energy because of working through trauma, some that I didn't even know was there, some that I've understood. And so hearing you, and it's been super pleasurable and, and connected and beautiful. And there's been... Disassociation that's come up as a result, which, you know, 
for me, sub drop or sub sub space can be that disassociating, checking out a little bit. And so it's been an intense experience <laughs> in times, uh, my relationship with kink. And so I love the, and I, I say this word, not from that kind of gross religious space, but it feels like there's purity in that for you. And when I say purity, I mean just this clear space in which for you to explore with yourself and your truth and your wisdom, uh, which is really beautiful. My overall experience when it comes to kink in general is I feel like I'm relatively green and also discover. <laughs> <laughs> Like I just, one of those things for me that I have slowly navigated and also have been just listening to you and just how, how connected you are to it and how it feels so much a part of you and also just like transformative and just listening to you and like feeling like the heat in my body be like, oh, this is, I'm, I'm listening to some stuff right now and trying to perceive that and connect it and relate it to my experience. And I'm just like, am I, am I really engaging in the way I should be? Yeah, I don't know. It's such a fascinating thing to hear. And also just being a Black man in the world and also me growing up and not wanting to be locked into these tropes of what a Black man is and the idea of not wanting to hurt somebody and then unleashing that and try, like, sampling that and seeing how that makes me feel. It's just, uh, yeah, it's a lot. I'm sweating <laughs> talking about it. I'm disconnecting with that. Yeah, there are people who explore kink just sometimes with their partners or when it's a pickup play right you go to an event and do it and then there are some people who say that they live it 24 7 even a lot of the times with that some people might think of like master or mistress and then like the slaves like oh those are the 24 7 people but there are also some of us where it's 24 7 because it is just incorporated into our entire lives. Like I am, one of my favorites is like power play and energy exchange. So whether I'm in a scene or not, that still remains a part of my everyday life. When I'm negotiating a contract for a business deal, there are aspects of like fetish that are coming into that. I'm using all my different powers to really get what I want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it stays in there. And then when you mentioned about like being a black man, not wanting to hurt people, because this is taboo, you know, technically some of these aspects are not, I don't even know the word for it, but to the everyday person saying that you're going to flog someone or cane them or put them in a cage. They're like, what the hell is that? Like, I get it if you're just closed off and refuse to just understand it, but it can be a challenge. I mean, when I was 20 exploring these ideas, so I'm a young Black queer woman who's also kinky, who's polyamorous, who was studying like erotic dance, I was quickly labeled the Black Jezebel, the whore, the slut, like what the hell is wrong with you? Get back in church. Whereas now it's more accepted and you're starting to see it in the everyday culture. Back then, no, I was the Black sheep, all those things. But in that journey uh, back to myself, I knew that like, I would have to answer for myself when I die. And I'm going to die alone in a sense. 
it was worth it for me to live the life I wanted to live, no matter what labels people gave me. They weren't paying my rent. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was hard to have that as like constant feedback, but I was committed to myself and my purpose, my passion, and my pleasure. And I will be damned if anyone tries to repress that in me, especially after being raised in a cult. Never again. (laughs) Like never again. Never again. Yeah. To live in true authenticity. That is, should be a goal for many. It's a goal for me. I'll say that. I want to live as authentically as I possibly can because no one else is living this life like at all. And I would say the other aspect of that, and this is something that came about both from a professor in college and one of my best friends in college. For those in my circle or even those who might read an essay I write, I want to be fully seen and fully loved. And it is impossible for me to be fully loved if I'm not showing up as my most authentic self. Mm-hmm. Yes. If I am hiding or playing small, you cannot connect to me and really understand me and have that love. So that's then the challenge or the invitation to myself to be fully myself so that you have the opportunity to welcome me in. And so that keeps me authentic as well. Mm-hmm. That like, got, that got me. That was just like a message being like, Ooh, like brought, did y'all feel that? Like <laughs> take a breath into that. Oh, that is so beautiful. This idea. I need to take a breath. <sighs> this idea that we don't have to play small and we don't, if we do, like the minimizing of ourselves or the um, extrapolating of ourselves to fit what we think someone else is wants from us is doing a disservice to that connection and that relationship because it's not authentic. It's not pure, I'm using that word again, right? It's masked, <laughs> Right? We talk about that idea of putting on masks and connecting with this idea of like, I want to be seen and I want to be loved. And so I, I'm going to show up in the truest form of myself because that's what love is, right? Is that deep acceptance of yourself. And I always say like acceptance is love. And we are so socially conditioned be put in these boxes and drives it's very difficult to navigate and push through and uh it is push aside the clouds to embody that but uh it's a very worthwhile like thing to do and people constantly understanding is great but leading with compassion is hands down what we need in this world more of period like it's just i don't need to understand what you're doing and if i'm not about that to not see humanity, you know, your light, your love. I don't need to see those things. I didn't, you're human. You deserve to move to this world. And like, who am I to tell you you don't deserve to exist? Like, that makes no sense at all. Yeah. Thank you so much for that share. I felt that. Okay. Me too. We were both like, oh my God. <laughs> Good. I, I, I like it. <laughs> and 
And that goes back to connecting to kink. Imagine if I never said to you that first lover, if I judged it, like, oh, maybe it's weird to tell him I want more. Am I being greedy or am I being weird? Like, I would have never followed that path into the BDSM community. So I'm glad I spoke it out loud and that I asked the questions, that I revealed my ignorance of what I did not know, because that allowed me to open up and experience more. And that was your vulnerability. Yeah. Yes. You were able to be vulnerable in that receive exactly what you wanted and needed, sounds like. And I want what I want. (laughs) Give it to me. (laughs) That sounds like another side of your kinky persona, (laughs) perhaps. So let's talk about that. So we have the kinky siren switchress, the typhoon of temptation and the dunker monk, right? So these sound like different personas, yeah? Is that a bit? And they also all tie into each other. So the most recent one is the kinky siren switcher. That's my favorite. I am a switch. That's and, what I ask. Yes. Yeah. But I also in my professional side of BDSM, I have been paid to be a dominatrix to Mm -hmm. my clients and things like that. And then it turned out in a lot of my relationships and the kinky play, there was like the back and forth of Mm -hmm. dom and sub space. So let's talk about this for a second, a couple of things, because some people might not know what some of these terms mean. So what does it mean to be a switch? I feel like being a switch means I am equally a dominatrix and a submissive. And it could either be person specific, mm-hmm. right? To my clients, I'm always a dominatrix. To one lover, I may be a submissive. And yet to someone else, the switching may show up. But I find that because it is my lifestyle 24 7, as much as I'm a switch, I am also mistress, right? That comes up a lot. So I was like, what's the word that? It's this, like where I'm honoring my switchiness, but also these motherfuckers need to know who I am. (laughs) Thinking of ideas and I was like, switchers, switchers, that's the word. And I Googled it because I'm like, surely someone has used this word before and I couldn't find it anywhere, but I started using it and then realized that it is not, it's not my own word. It is now something that I give the BDSM community as another honorific or title for those who identify as switches. Because at first I was like, no one better say that word. And, you know, I'm I, I, it. I, yeah, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to buy the domain and all the social media. And, but also part of being in the lifestyle is actually being a part of the community too. And so I realized it's bigger than me. Siren comes because I believe in archetypes, right? That's one of my favorites, just like the wolf or lion or whatever it might be. So that's title. Typhoon of Temptation was given to me by Honey Tree Evil Eye, the producer of Slut Church. And I absolutely loved it. And I realized recently that this connects to my primal side within kink. Sometimes when we think of primals, of course, we think a lot of the animals, right? Is this person a bear or a wolf, you know, whether they're the prey or the predator? But animals are only one aspect of primals. I have one friend 
he says that his prime shows up as a force of nature. Yeah. It is the storm. It is like that thing. And I realized, I was like, yes, like my primal is a typhoon of temptation. It goes back to those spirals of energy that comes out. And because I'm a seductress and I'm pulling people in as that siren, right? I know how to captivate people. That typhoon of temptation just comes into the room or into the space and spirals out of control and allows people to get pulled into my orbit, whether they want to or not, because a storm is a storm. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then the Badunka monk. So so in Slut Church, we all have a patron name, right? So I'm the patron taint of big dicks. We all get to (laughs) So what's Slut Church? Tell us what that is. Oh, sorry. Okay. Slut Church is a metal rock BDSM burlesque go-go show. It has all those aspects are in there. And depending on the season, we have weekly shows or twice a month. And it's a troupe of mostly queer, femmes, and non-binary people who just go crazy. These shows are so fun. And we do them in person as well as virtually. And so within that, in addition to our patron names, we also have other titles. I forget what they're called. Our clergy names. And so there's like Mother Superior Rear, or <laughs> Love it. yes, or Honey Tree is like the High AF Priestess, <laughs> and so I've been thinking of like, what's my name gonna be? And I'm pulling my inspirations. I, I love monks, right? There's a deep level of spirituality and woo woo in my life, but also this sort of like kinky sacred woo woo. And I also know that my ass is a treat that like the audience loves as well. And I was like, how do I incorporate all these things? I made a list of different kinds of names and threw them out to the troop. And Honey Tree, again, apparently she gives me all my titles. <laughs> She'll be on the show very soon. <laughs> she was like, this might sound crazy, but what do you think about the Badunka Monk? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that's my name. Put it on the spreadsheet now. I was yes. like, that, that sums me up perfectly. Like <laughs> the spirit and the ass. Yes. The, oh, wait, 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 wait. The spirit and the ass. <laughs> Hashtag. Hashtag the spirit and the ass. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes up like, this makes me think of an article I wrote years ago when I was taking a 10-day silent retreat that was focused on dervish whirling. Oh, yeah. And, oh, shit. And there was tons of like meditation and such too. And I wrote this one journal entry that was like, if you think of blowjobs when you meditate, right? So it's always been like spirit and ass, spirit and insect. It's all, (laughs) so I can't escape it. So I'm the Padanka monk. And why do you have to separate it, right? You don't have to. That part, yes. Right? You don't have to separate it because it's all a part of life. It's a part of life. It's a part of humanity. It's we're in the universe, right? We're here. Mm-hmm. So it's a mm-hmm. part of it. And there's no need to hide. 
be yourself. Yes. <laughs> That's why we're here. If, if it's true that no one is like us in this whole galaxy, not just on Earth, mm-hmm. you are an individual. It seems to me then that one of our main purposes is to be ourselves. to, okay, then I will be me. To done my and done. <laughs> So before we're going to do some quick fire, but I think I want to do a couple of quick fire questions about kink, just because I know like, so let's just talk a little bit, almost like a rapid fire, if we can, if someone wants to get into kink, what's a good way for them to have an entry point? What do you suggest? I suggest, I know this sounds basic, but I would Google it, right? There are a lot of different checklists that come up that will list out all the different types of kinks Mm -hmm. because we have in our minds, it's just whips and canes. And there are so many on that list. And then you can look at like, oh, I'm curious about breath play or, you know, sensory deprivation. But I also think that there is kink in our everyday lives. Most people have been slapped on the ass Mm -hmm. during sex or a little bit of choking. And if you find any of those notions really intrigued you, you like that ass slap, maybe explore a different tool than just the ass, right? Maybe it is a flogger. Maybe it is a belt. I don't know. And if you like, say, a little choking, there are other ways to influence your breath. Try on a corset or things like that. So I say find, tap into the things that already intrigue you and that you like and see if you can experience those same type of sensations in other ways. But also being curious and looking at those lists, saying, what is this? And try those things. I remember when I, my first time handling a flogger, I was just like, I could be good at this. <laughs> this, <laughs> this feels good. <laughs> just tell me what I have to do. That's the movement. Got it. Yeah, I could be really good at this. So just in case someone's like, what the fuck is a flogger? <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably say it more clearer than I would. So what's a flogger? Ooh, what is a flogger? It is... Okay, so some people relate the things that you can use in your play as either toys. Mm -hmm. Some people think that's a little, that's not enough. So they may say these are tools. Mm -hmm. And actually in my life, I call them sacred objects, right? Or relics. And so a flogger is one of these sacred objects that you can use for impact play, which is in the same vein. It's like a riding crop. That's my personal favorite or a whip or a cane. Different objects that can be used in your play. I mean, you can Google it to see what it looks like, but it's leather and it has tassels. Oh, yes. It's, it's like the tasseling. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And those tassels can be anything. I have one where the tassels are chains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> just, she just did a little shimmy there. Just thinking about it. Just thinking about it. That's so exciting. <laughs> Oh, I love it. So what would you say, you brought this up. I think it's a great question because I have heard this from many men. I'm afraid of hurting someone, especially say in heterosexual relationship, cis man, cis woman. I hear that a lot, that dynamic, but this could be in any dynamic, any person, let's say. I'm afraid of hurting someone. Yeah. What would you say to that? I would say... First, if your partner is discussing it or asking for it, that is consent, 
right? They want to have that experience. And so you don't have to be afraid of their desires. The other thing is that you do want to educate yourself. As fun as kink can be, there is an art and science to it. And there are ways in which you could hurt, injure, or damage someone if you don't know what you're doing. So watch tutorials, go to workshops, like really understand it. And then know that hurt, right? Like what if I cause this person pain? There's a difference between a dying pain and a healing pain, right? You're not killing them. I translate it into instead of hurt and pain, it's sensation. And where on this range, what intensity of sensation do I want to experience? That's where negotiations come in. When you're playing, like when you say you flog them, starting at like a one or two and checking in with them, how does that feel? Would you like more and giving them that more? And so it deals with like connecting with your partner, understanding what you're doing, and that helps to quiet those fears. Yes. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Communication. Mm -hmm. Communication, always the cornerstone. Huge. Amazing sex. Well, and I'll throw it in. Sometimes you might accidentally mess up or hurt or it hits the wrong place. And it's like giving space for those mistakes to happen and being able to check in there versus like shutting down or being like, we can never do this again. Yeah. yeah. And how do we move forward through this? Absolutely. So what's the foundation you know, I believe that there's this idea that, oh, if I talk about it, just overall in sex, if I talk about it, it won't be as hot or it won't be, you know, as sexy, right? Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's dangerous, <laughs> first of all, right? So let's just talk about like a little bit of like safety and kink. How do we set the stage? So yes, things could happen, but how do we set the stage so that everyone is safe, is, you know, feeling good in their bodies? What do we do? What's the foundation of that? First, there really isn't complete safety. Sure. Right? Yeah. So it's it's accepting that. I think you want to vet, vet yourself and vetting those that you engage with, which might influence some people who are into pickup play. I don't really do that because I want to ensure I understand the person I'm engaging with, that I am connecting with them. Safety again comes up in the negotiations before a scene. This could be asking questions like, can you have marks and bruises? Or asking about any health concerns or just like issues that they have. Like if you have a heart pacer in, like that's important to disclose because we shouldn't do electro play. So it's communicating these actual things like that helps us to be more safe in these experiences, not talking about them. That's how people in any situation end up, again, injured or traumatized and or dead. And so we have to communicate and ask those questions. And they're not difficult or taboo questions. They are clarifying questions and conversation starters. Mm -hmm. Safe words. Safe words is another I like safe words as well as like a scale, right? Like the the scale could be green, yellow, red. So say we're doing impact play. For me, red might mean stop the fuck right now, right? And yellow means like either stay here and like don't increase the intensity. Like I'm 
And green means yes. And they can mean whatever you want them to mean. And then a safe word also is that's where it's like, let's stop this scene. And whether or not we want to, in that moment, explain the why, you don't necessarily have to. You know, later you can unpack it. I remember vetting a dom who I was discussing, like what would safe words be, which should be something you would not normally say. And he was like, don't you trust me? Mm. And goodbye. Red flag. Red flag. Like, go away. And something I recently that has come into my life is not only safe words, but maybe like safe motions or sounds because if I have a gag ball in my mouth, I can't say aardvark. That's my safe <laughs> word. Right? Oh, and so, right? <laughs> right? So I might have to have a motion that says, like, let's stay here or let's stop right now. Or I've heard say, I don't know, maybe you're suspended and it's shibari and you're gagged. Sometimes people might hold an object And when they let go, that's an indicator, too, that they've kind of lost control or something. So there are all kinds of indicators to be like, hey, stop. I need some support right now. I need some support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Aftercare. I was going to say aftercare is another way of exploring that safety of like, what do I need to integrate this experience? So, and being able to have these extreme moments, right? My dumb might be a sadist, which means like they get off on inflicting that pain. And that scene could be intense. I mean, it could be energy play. It could be anything. But that level of intensity there, for me, there needs to be a moment then where we can like come down from that and then connect. So I can remember like, oh, this is also a person. They're no longer the wolf that's hunting me. We're here now. What is uh, energy play? What's the best way of describing energy play? Okay, an example of just like energy. You know, you can walk into a room and you can feel, you know, someone just had a fight because you can feel that tension. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you could cut it with a knife. Mm -hmm. Or you walk into a room and you can feel the sexual tension between two people. You're like, oh, I know they're fucking. (laughs) (laughs) That is energy. And there are ways to then play with that energy, to intensify it, to dissipate it, to control it if you're on that level as well and manipulate it or influence it. And so energy play comes about in that world and it ties a lot to also power play. There's like this push and pull between the two. That's like a basic definition. No, that's, that's no, good. That helps. Yeah. I think that happens a lot and people don't necessarily even know that they're doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think those, both of those power plays and What I love about, you know, kink is that it allows, you know, power plays in just like regular relationships sometimes can (laughs) not be the healthiest thing or the most effective way to relate to someone, right? And so when you can take that and put it in to a scene or kinky moment, it transforms it into something that is, can be playful or can be provocative or can allow for a deeper connection to allow some of those things to play out as opposed to just a romantic relationship where two people are just trying to one-up each other or take control for whatever reason. It happens a lot in relationships. Okay, rapid fire. <laughs> it's time. I'm really excited about this. So answer as briefly as you can. If you have to expand a little, that's okay. Okay, I'm going to go first. 
if there was one, only one kink act that you could choose to be with, to play for the rest of your life, what would it be? Only one. Which is a little bit of a cheat because then I can play all kinds of roles. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is your game right now. So good answer. (laughs) Okay. Another question. Uh, Let me see. One way you're taking care of yourself. My sacred bath rituals. Britt's been all about the bathroom. Same space. What's one thing you're struggling with right now? I'm struggling a smidge with my polydynamics. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Subversive mind control. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Your face is so just like, yes. <laughs> I was going to say, like, she already has superpowers. I, I feel like you could do that just like naturally, but you're, you're so clean. I say subversive because, so you know how like hackers put their signature right? They want you to know. You don't ever need to know. I want you to go your whole life thinking you had free will and that those were all your choices. You never need to know my name. So I want subversive mind control. Oh, isn't that the imperious curse in Harry Potter? Basically. Shay, do you, are you a Harry Potter? Oh, fight. I've seen the movies, but I don't remember. Okay. Well, my Potter fans, would you agree that that's the Imperial's curse? I think it is, but we can look that up later. Okay. I'm next. Something that makes you belly laugh. I actually don't know what makes me belly laugh. You know what? Inappropriate jokes. (laughs) Like inappropriate sex jokes. Yes. They're the best. Okay, what is your love language? So my first response was me. I'm not love language. (laughs) I like that answer. But by the the quiz, it is quality time and physical touch. Yes. Nice. Awesome. Quality time and physical touch. Yours is physical touch. That's physical touch. Yeah. And mine's quality. Worth acts of service and and quality. For sure. I do just want to throw in there because I can't help myself. The people who created the love language also have the apology language. Oh. And I recommend that every human take that as well because it is going to make your life a thousand percent better. Oh, I didn't know that the apology language. Is that that another one? Yes. (laughs) That's like a way that we receive apologies. Apologies. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. that's, That's Apology language, go look it up. (laughs) Okay, let's see. If you could have a threesome with two famous people, living or dead, (laughs) we've seen that shimmy again. Who would they be? This could be like, you don't have to be real people. You got it. So it would be Lenny Kravitz and Jason Momoa, but Lisa could pop in and Zoe too, the whole family, whoever they're dating. I would have an orgy with their whole family. That, I can't can't even, I feel that in my body so hard right now. It's a beautiful ass family, yeah. Oh, because you know I love me some some Momoa, yeah. And Lisa. Oh, that. For life. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, I want all of them. (laughs) It's a family affair. (laughs) Oh my God, it's amazing. When do you feel most vulnerable? You know, when I'm looking myself in the mirror. Mm, Beautiful. If there was a food, or is there a food? If there was or is there a food that can give you an orgasm, what would it be? And you know, it's a playful, joyful orgasm. 
because people are like, what the fuck did she just say? Bubblegum ice cream. Oh. Bubblegum ice cream. I don't think I've had bubblegum ice cream. I can't remember the last time I even have even. Yeah. And it's my absolute favorite. It is rare to find. But as soon as I take a bite, like my sensations are happy. My body feels activated. Like I am so happy without restraint. And I'm sure if I like breathe into that even more, I would have a full body orgasm. Nice. Yeah. Well, the next time you have some bubblegum ice cream, breathe into that shit. <laughs> <laughs> deep, deep because that sounds amazing. <laughs> That's great. Oh, Shay, this has been so amazing. Mm-hmm. So, so beautiful. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to talk about kink. Yeah, it's going to be hot and sexy. This felt so tapped in. Yeah. It really did. And connected and just, oh, it fed my heart and my pussy. And I could tell. Lots of really <laughs> I could tell. nourishing ways. I was like, I needed this conversation. So thank you. Thank you for your presence. Oh, you're welcome. And then thank you for the conversation. We need to have these conversations. Yes. I yes, refuse to believe I'm the only one in you certain moments. So these are the ways that we can connect and again have more compassion for one another or at least have something interesting to google later (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and there are several things that you all can google several go do moments during this whole conversation but what what does it (laughs) (laughs) so shay what do you have going on is there anything you want to wrap right now I would say, of course, Sweatshirt, which we mentioned, we perform every first and third Tuesdays of the month. And that's for those of you that are in Philly. Yes. And we rotate throughout the cast. So my next personal performance will be, I think, in April. But first and third Tuesdays, you'll love it. Awesome. So that's the main one I would rep. Great. Okay. So make sure that you check Shay out. We're going to give you all the ways to do that in a moment. Thank you so, so much, Shay. I feel so enlivened. (laughs) (laughs) Lack of a better word. Enlivened by that conversation. Like like you're lit up based off of that conversation. I did my bath before this and then I danced with my ear pods in to... I am woman, I am fit. You know, I, oh, so I I heard all of it. I was like stomping <laughs> and like and my body, but just the bodysuit without the jeans. I was like, yeah, you know, getting it. Well, I was also in the bathtub singing power ballads, but we'll talk about that probably at some point about my, Baths, my power ballads and power ballads. Jam, yo. And I had my earbuds in, so all of the cares is me screaming the power ballads at the top of my lungs. Yeah, so I, I slid into this like so embodied. Mm-hmm. And then there's Shay, who is just the embodiment and the awareness and the confidence. Fierceness. Oh, and the softness. Though. It's, oh, it's, oh, yeah. It's oh, a package deal. Such a gift. Such a gift. Really? Like, truly listen to that again. <laughs> because it was just beautiful. And, and it really took me to a place of considering my relationship with kink. And how much I've used kink for like healing trauma and that I want to shift that. And I want to come into a space where I'm just exploring the pleasure of it. Thank you so much for listening. Follow Shay at Shay Ole, that's S-H-A-Y-A-U-L-A-I-T on Instagram and Twitter. And check out Shay's website at shayole.com. Follow me at sexually underscore liberated on Instagram 
Check out my website at BrittanyPolacastro.com. You can follow me at Nick Anthony Photo on Instagram. There is no H in Anthony. And you can also check out my website at NickAnthony.com. Editing by Audionauts and music by Greta Hotmer. Please, please, please leave us a five-star review. That stuff goes a long way. Share this podcast with someone who might find it useful. Help us spread the kitchen table love. Until next time.